Hey, seasoned athletes, I'm Robin Leggett, and this is episode 32 of the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. This is your home for inspiring stories and motivational advice from competitive athletes from a wide variety of sports who all share one common bond. They are all over 40 years old. We're here to prove one story at a time that age does not have to prevent you from achieving your bold athletic and fitness goals. To learn more about this podcast and see show notes from this or any episode, visit seasonedathlete.me. And if you like what you hear, I would love it if you would subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Today, I'll be talking to martial artist and bodybuilder Julio Anta. Before we get to that, though, let's meet this week's Everyday Seasoned Athlete. The Everyday Seasoned Athlete segment is where we share firsthand stories from athletes who are over age 40 and represent a wide variety of backgrounds and athletic experience. This week's Everyday Seasoned Athlete found a way back to her true self through the sport of ultra running. She'll tell you more in her own words. Let's get to know Jill Plamondon. My name is Jill Plamondon. I'm 45 years old and I'm an ultra runner. I started running nearly nine years ago to recognize my own reflection and to hear the sound of my own voice again. Who knew that pursuing dreams of a career and being a wife and mother would take such a toll on my health and wellness? I was out of shape and living large. I developed a love for long-distance running on a variety of terrain. Although most of my training is on asphalt, my grand adventures usually include a plane trip or long car ride to get to the starting line. I have finished several 50 milers and 50 Ks, attempted a few gnarly, adverse 100-mile courses, and I finished a 100-mile course just last June. I keep chasing after ultras because it's a place where I find supportive kindred spirits and feel the most like me. It's always a fresh experience, and it's always tough, but it's worth it. It's where I share long hours with my best training friend and where I have shared memorable journeys with pacers and fellow runners. The moments between miles 1 and 100 are complex, beautiful, simple, spiritual, and ugly throughout the entire course. Yes, that's confusing, and so is a trail not marked well in the middle of a foggy, rainy night. Ultra forces me to adapt and reassess everything I thought I knew and see just what all the training, research, and preparing has delivered. It forces me to step up and demonstrate to my children what drive is. And when everything aches and I just want to let go. I felt that way last night climbing 3,000 feet on Jacob's ladder when all I want to do is just sit on the sofa with my daughter. I have to stay focused over months to achieve the goal, even with a family and job that can't be neglected. So I climbed. Ultra running has made me reconnect to the person I always thought I was and listen to that voice above any other. It's authentic and raw exposure. This year, I have two more 100-mile race adventures planned, one at the Kettle Moraine 100 in Wisconsin and the other at the Havelina 100 in Arizona. To become a seasoned athlete, my advice is to find positive people that support your amazingness, focus, and drive. And if you fall, get up again. It really is about how many times you get up. I'm Jill Plamondon, and I'm a seasoned athlete. If you'd like to tell your everyday seasoned athlete story in a future episode, visit seasonedathlete.me slash everyday and tell us a little bit about yourself. And now it's time to meet this week's featured seasoned athlete, someone who has found the fountain of youth through martial arts and bodybuilding and who believes we can all live as ageless warriors. Let's meet Julio Anta. Hi, Julio. Hey, Robin. 
Are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge on our listeners today? I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. You are Julio Anta from Miami, Florida. You're a grandfather, martial arts and fitness school owner, an instructor, and competitive bodybuilder. In 2017, after 32 years since your last bodybuilding competition, you became the NPC South Florida Bodybuilding Championships over 60 overall and lightweight winner and placed second in the over 50 physique category. You're also the author of Anta's Ageless Warrior Fitness, and you believe that age is just a number and that martial arts and bodybuilding, the lifestyle that comes from that, is the fountain of youth. Is there anything vital personally, professionally, or from your athletic life that you'd like to take a quick moment to fill in? Well, no, I think you covered pretty much um, my background. So whatever question you have, I'm ready. Sounds good. From here, I'm going to ask the big question that I ask all my guests, and that is, what is your age at this moment in time? 60 years old. I'll be 61 at the end of April. Fantastic. So let's start from the beginning. When did you start playing sports and what did your early athletic life look like? Did you play sports at all or were you active growing up? No, I was the opposite. I was at, I, I lived in New York and I was a skinny kid. Didn't get good grades. Was the last one picked. My parents had to move from New York because I was literally allergic to the cold weather. I would rush out. So most of my life, I was that kid last picked. You know, did terrible. The only thing I started doing pretty good was my first martial arts, which I didn't stay long at, was judo. And I took third place in a tournament. But at that time, I was still quitting things. And not until I started the bodybuilding that I see that my life, even though I did martial arts on and off, that I started to see my life changing and becoming better of an athlete, even though I still can't play um, team sports. So when you were younger, and I relate to the story a little bit because I was last picked for sports growing up too. So yeah. I totally understand that. And it, and it can mess with your psyche a little bit when, when, yeah. you know, you just don't, you don't have that confidence because when you see other people not believing in you, it's hard to believe in yourself. Um, so I imagine that played into how you approached, you know, martial, martial arts early on. How old were you when you got into martial arts? Well, the first time I did martial arts, um, at that time, remember I'm 61, I'm 61. But they didn't teach kids much kids, right. but I was able to finally convince my parents. And um, I, I was 13 going on four, I was a few months before my, uh, about four months before my 14th birthday. And then you said bodybuilding is what really made the change for you. When did you get into that? In my senior year, um, January of 20, uh, 20 listen to that, 1976, saw this guy in my school. Later we became best friends guy was 6'5", at that time, 18 years old, with 18-inch arms, and I would beg him for a workout, because I always wanted to bodybuild. I used to buy the magazines, but I really didn't understand it or know what I was doing. So actually, he gave me a workout, and later we became training partners, and it started, you know, I was a slow gainer. My brother was, you know, would build muscle quick. I, it took me forever, but I stuck with it. But at 18 and a half, I started um, uh, the bodybuilding. Um, I had done mar a lot of martial arts before that, but now I started focusing more on the bodybuilding for a while. And what kind of change did you see that led you to stick with it? Because like you said, when you were younger, you had a hard time sticking with sports and, you know, the, the, that lack of confidence kind of messed with your head a little bit. But what, what was the change that you saw that led you to stick with this and really pursue this on a high level? Well, you know, it was like it was really a facade that when my body started changing, I was still that shy guy, but I, at least now I was more accepted because I was getting built. And then eventually all my friends were bodybuilders. And I would say uh, within a year and a half, you could, I literally, it took me that long. You could tell that I worked out. 
and it took me a few more years to look like someone that was a bodybuilder. But just seeing the change and the growth, and um, even though I was still on the shy side, you know, my confidence started going up. I remember even in high school, um, they, everybody would challenge me to things like sprinting and stuff, and they would always beat me. And I remember a guy that would always beat me, just I didn't even run. I, you know, he goes, oh, let's sprint. Let's see who can go. And I beat him, and I was surprised. And I go, this has got to be the weight training that did it. Um, my strength went up. My confidence went up. It's, you know, the look. It's the whole idea that you go from being at 18 years old, weighing 119 pounds, to in about a year and a half, I was weighing in the 130s, which is still not much of a, you know, even though I'm short, it's not that much, to eventually you know, going places and people asking me about workouts, you know, people just coming up to me and talking to me because the body was changing slow, but it worked. And it kind of almost transforms your lifestyle in a way and how, not just how you're perceived in the world, but like when you're when you're talking to people out in the world, it's like they see you and of course they want to know about fitness. And there's a there's this like assumption and perception that this guy knows what he's doing. He knows what he's talking about. And then you just start getting into these like healthier conversations with people where you are talking about healthy lifestyle and fitness and strength. And so that can be sort of transformative mentally. Don't you think? Oh no, a hundred percent. And I, you know, it's sad because I believe you should treat everybody with respect and treat everybody fairly. But I did notice that, that when you are built, I mean, if people talk to you with more respect, they treat you better, you know, because it's it's like a sport that you walk with. And that's the main difference because I'm a martial, I'm, you know, being a martial artist, I've seen martial artists that you can't tell. Some, some are muscular, but some are skinny, some are overweight, and you don't know what sport they do if you don't see them in their gi or wearing a shirt of it. But when you're a bodybuilder, you know, power lifter, that type of sport, you can see it in your body. Yeah, it's very obvious. And probably back at that time, like we live in an era now of body positivity and acceptance. And probably back then, that wasn't happening quite as much. So for you to have, like you say, this, oh, no. the body was your calling card. It was your business card in a way like that. Yeah, that yeah. then changed how people treated you and, and spoke to you. Right. Right. And it was funny because even it, it isn't like that anymore, but in the 70s and 80s, I mean, we would go to the beach and we would see someone that we could tell was working out and it was just natural to go up to them, ask them where they worked out and you became friends because there really wasn't that many people doing it. But, and you know, the people admired it. I was, remember, that's what they call the golden age of bodybuilding. Oh, yeah. The movie Pumping Iron, yeah. the whole thing, you know, even though everybody, I mean, I think there are more people now going to gyms and fit, but at that time was the time that everything was just being accepted because literally... When I first told, I, you know, my story goes way before what we talked about being that, that well, I was that skinny kid, the last one picked, um, I don't know, eight, nine years old. I told my dad that I wanted to look like Mr. America, obviously Steve Reeves in the Hercules movies, and I wanted to be a martial artist, you know, and he, you know, he supported me. And I remember even though I, in the, you know, I tried working out before, he built me a bench and we had all those rubber weights. You know, in the beginning, I didn't know what I was doing, and I would stop. I remember people coming to the house and telling my dad, like, I'd almost, like, if there's something wrong with me, why would I want to do that? In the beginning, people just thought you were weird if you wanted to build muscle, you know? Yeah, you were, you were on the cusp of something that wasn't 
fully yeah. accepted at that time. You were you were a pioneer. Right. So um, how long did you participate in competitive bodybuilding before you stepped away from it? Well, I, I, well that was that's another story. I want to step away. I have to step away. So I competed in 83. A lot of things happened. Then I got sick in 84. I recompeted in 85. So what happened to me, I liked the martial arts also. So now I'm starting to try to take the martial arts, doing both, which at that time, it was today with the UFC, you see that these guys are sure. built. Some of them look like bodybuilders. But then it was almost like, oh, you don't lift weights and do martial arts. What happened was now I started, you know, putting together with the, with the martial artist and the bug hit me. So I decide to compete. End of 85, beginning of 86, um, I go to a karate tournament. And as I'm competing in, in sparring, I dislocate both shoulders. First I dislocate one, partial dislocations because it went back in place. I continue to spar. The adrenaline's going. So I continue to spar, dislocate the other one continue to spar, lost the match. If, if I would have won the match, I wasn't going to, I wouldn't have been able to continue. Now, now I can't take my gi top off because both of my shoulders are like frozen and in pain. So that to me was like one of the, that was the end of my world, you know, in the beginning, but it was a blessing in disguise. It was the end of my world because I really was a facade. You know, I was shy, but my body is who I felt I was. And that's why people talk to me and whatever, like me. So now everybody's telling me I can't do weights or martial arts again or it's going to get worse. And in the beginning, since I went straight to working out, I was freaking out. I couldn't. I couldn't lift anything. So I take a break, but I stick in my head. Um, you know, I guess I'll work out just to stay in shape, you know, when I can. But I'm not going to be able to ever compete again because I lost all my strength and mobility in the shoulders. So... What happens there, I, I say it's, it's sometimes negative things end up being positive things. It really changed my life because I was shy. And it's like, it's funny, like people, some people tell me, man, you were shy? I mean, I've been in, since I've been teaching martial arts 20 years, without exaggerating, over 100-something TV shows, you know, news stations, stuff like that. So I don't, you know, I don't feel that shyness that I had before, but I think if this wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't have slowly changed. So what happens now? I don't think I would have ever gotten a black belt if this wouldn't have happened because I didn't want to do forms. All I wanted to do was fight and spar. So I never tested for belts um, in the big, at that time. I was just always fighting. And actually, a lot of times I was using my strength, so I wasn't even learning proper technique. I was beating people using strength and losing too, but, you know, in, in sparring matches, but using my strength. So what happens at that time, the world just collapses on me. The shoulders go. So I see pictures, man. I didn't look that skinny. I looked like an athletic guy, but in my mind, I was a skinny guy again, you know, yeah. after that happened. And um, that at that time that happened, um, I lose my job. My car blows his engine. I had this girlfriend that was crazy and we break up. So it was like, man, I was in the hole. And that's really where I started getting close to God and my life started changing. Then slowly but surely I go, you know what? I'm going to do martial arts. I'm going to spar less. And I started doing forms. And that's how I think, how I know that this negative thing that to me was the end of my world became a positive thing because I got my black belt. 
I opened up my school like six months after I got my black belt. And from there, I just started, you know, learning different martial arts, which to me, I consider myself a student for life. I'm still learning new martial arts all the time and doing new things. So this thing of November is when I competed two months ago, um, when I won the South Florida, that was a, that was, I'm not even going to say a dream. It was like something I thought I could never do that I was able to do. And that was, yeah, after 32 years since you had walked away after from After 32 years of being told by doctors and therapists, no, you can't lift weights, you can't do martial arts, it's going to get worse and worse. I still have shoulders that could dislocate and I and very, I don't have good mobility in them. I couldn't, I don't have the strength I used to have. And a year and a half ago, well, in, in, in June, it'll be two years, I tore my chest benching, which was another setback that I go, wow. And, Actually, my, when I do chest, you can, uh, you'll see a skinny, weak guy lifting the same weight I do for chest, but it's still, I'm still able to do it, so I work around the injuries. But, yeah, like I said, it wasn't even a dream come true because it was like something I thought, that's it, that's the end of my bodybuilding. And then slowly but surely, you know, I was able to adapt to my injuries and my stuff and was able to go again and even for that competition. Everything happened before that I almost I didn't compete in it, but I stuck with it and, and competed. So I tell people, and I've learned my lesson from before of quitting or giving up on things when something negative happened. Going back to that uh, competition all those years ago, where you tore both your shoulders or dislocated both your shoulders, right. and yeah. kind of it kind of led into you know a bout of depression and a and a lot of questioning as to who you were because you you had created this almost persona based on your body and based on what you were right. able to do and then that was taken away from you and you realized that whatever you had built wasn't really there like you said it was a facade um so that forced you to kind of take stock and i i find it interesting that it also forced you to become a better martial artist that you right. were you were into sparring and really loved doing that but you you weren't doing your forms you weren't working on your belts and and all of that stuff so it really you it forced you to take a step back and t and become a better martial artist which led you to becoming you know opening your school and becoming an instructor and it completely right. changed your life so would you call that that competition would you call that your worst competitive moment that you ever had i would think so but it led to something great but i also had another one that i learned from then so now i am you know i am um getting belts i'm competing i'm not competing and fighting because of my i dislocate but i'm competing in forms and weapons so again when i would spar my shoulders would dislocate I, eventually i stopped sparring because it would get worse and worse so now i'm competing in this circuit and um i win in in open hand forms i'm winning first place so what happens is I dislocate the shoulder again. I still could have done forms, just not put a lot of power. So I see there's another guy that I would beat that I would look at and go, man, I don't know how I beat this guy. You know, I think this guy's really good. So in my head, I go, you know what, with this shoulder, a little bit of an ego, I guess, with the shoulder bad, he's going to beat me. I'd rather not go. Long story short, the end of the year, I get a call or a, a letter, a letter first. Then, then I spoke to them that I had taken second place in forms and third place in weapons in the state in that, you know, that circuit that you collect points. 
So I literally go, how could I if I didn't compete that much? Well, they add up your score. Well, long story short, what happens is I go to the award to get my plaque and all that, to get the two plaques, and I bump into the guy that I – he would actually beat me in, in, in um, weapons, and I would beat him in open-hand forms. And um, I go to him. I tell him I'm honest now, and I go, man, you know, I stop, he goes, so you kept on – I go, no, I didn't – I stopped competing because of my shoulder, and um, I thought, you know – you were going to beat me because now I wasn't going to be able to put as much power. And that guy goes to me, man, I stopped competing too. So the moral of the story is then a guy that would, if there was five people, he would place fourth. If there was eight, he would place like seven, always in the bottom of the pack. This guy wins everything. He wins the state champion at the end of the year with the points accumulated for forms, weapons, and sparring. Like I said, I didn't spar, but the other guy did. And we both look at each other, and first we're like, and this guy's going up there, jumping up and down like, you know, he's the greatest champion. And for a second, I'm going, what's up with him? And then it hit me, and I go, guess what? Consistency and not giving up. If I would have kept on going, I would have been the state champion, at least in open-hand forms, possibly weapons, because the guy that would beat me didn't come back. And that's what taught me, and that's why for this bodybuilding show that everything happened to me, you know, right before I said, I'm going to go anyway, even though I felt that I didn't peak correctly and I was able to win first place overall. That was another big lesson. Those two things were lessons to me, you know, two setbacks that were lessons in life to me. And, and I bring it up to people and to my students all the time about not giving up and that sometimes negative things end up as a blessing in life. And it's so powerful, just not giving up. And I think what I'm getting from you is figuring out, once you decide you're not giving up, figuring out how to adapt and how, how you can adapt to then have, have this setback actually benefit in your favor. And maybe the path you're on is not the path you were meant to be on initially. And maybe there's, maybe there's a better path and a greater path that you don't even know yet until you experience these setbacks. And if you just gave up, you would never know. So going back to the more recent competition, were there any specific training challenges that you faced as an athlete in your sixties training and preparing for this type of competition? Well, I believe that now I have to rest more. Um, I train intense, but less. I used to train. I used to train um, when I used to compete before the body parts twice a week. Um, now I train the body parts once a week. When my days, my metabolism was so fast, I couldn't gain weight usually. So when I would diet down, it would happen quick. Never did cardio. I really dislike cardio. I still didn't do traditional cardio. But I ended up by the end of it, by maybe the last six weeks, doing from hardly ever doing cardio to doing starting with 15 minutes of of sprints of, you know, high intensity interval training, walking and sprinting on the treadmill to finishing off maybe the last six weeks, six days a week, 45 minutes, which was hell for me. That was the hardest, harder than the diet because I really dislike cardio. But my metabolism is slower now than it used to be, one. Two, with my injuries, I got to be more careful. Like one day I I went to the beach and I decided, okay, I'm going to do cardio at the beach. There I just did regular running and there was like a little, the sand was at a sloop and everything seemed okay. But by that night, all of a sudden, I don't have, the only thing that I don't have problems in is my knees. 
um, and all of a sudden the knee starts hurting and now there I go I have to spend like I don't know about a week without doing cardio to let it recuperate so what I noticed was you're more prone to injuries like my wrist I have to I have wristbands tight because sometimes the wrists are getting hurt I definitely train I train heavy but my heavy is way lighter my heavy isn't heavy for a young guy but I believe in that I think one of my pet peeves was as I was getting older, even before, like I was in my 30s, I would look at these um, books that they had in the in the bookstore for training over 40, and they would put this little a skinny gray hair guy doing like paperweight dumbbells, and I would go, that's can't, that's not right. How the heck, you know? I strongly believe that as we age, we got to. That's what I tell everybody. You know, you're losing muscle. Some I've even read sometimes that it's like one percent a year after 30. So I'm building muscle now because I never hit that peak when I was younger. So I still know I could build more muscle. But if I didn't, then I had hit a, a peak in my bodybuilding, I could still look good and not let that must lose the muscle. Like I, I two years ago or two and a half years ago, um, my wife went to California to do some training of, for her fitness training. And I ended up going to Gold's Gym and finding the bodybuilder. Uh, Robbie Robinson. Robbie now today is seven, go, going, 71 going on 72. When I trained with him, he was 69. And I go, God, I wish I looked like this guy. The guy always has his abs. And, you know, that's how I get inspired. I look at people that are older than me, and even in my competition, the two guys competed against me in the over 60. They competed both over 60 and over, they were both over 70. And I'm going, wow, that gives me hope. I'm, I mean, I beat them, but I'm going, I can be like them. You know, one was 77, by the way. Um, so that's what drives me, but it's very important to train heavy in a safe way. I can't do crazy things. And when I do, I do when I start getting a little bit forgetting, you know, because I don't like to think about it. I really don't like to think about age. Like some people for your age, I don't know, not for my age. Right. For any age, I'm, I'm going to do good martial arts and I look good. And, you know, I also have – there's a they, June Reed, they call him the, um, the father of American Taekwondo. I've met him more than once and we spoke. And when I was in my 40s, we spoke and I, and I told him I was in my 40s. And he was about – I think he's – man, he's about 15, 20 years older than me. And he had this saying, and I know I'm paraphrasing, that he goes – the body of a 20-year-old with the wisdom of a 100-year-old. And he goes to me, and I'll never forget that. I even wrote that in my book, and I have a section on it. And he goes, you're going to change people's minds in Miami, and I'm going to do it. He's in D.C., in Washington, D.C. And I strongly agree to that, you know, because I'm seeing people now older than me, 70s, 80s, you know, looking good physically, doing things that I can't do. Like I always say, Jack Lane died, I think he was 96, training the day he died. And I, there's things Jack Lane can do in his 90s that I can't do in my 60s. So that's my motivation. And, you know, and, I, and that's what I'm trying to do to anybody, not just older people, with my students. If I could do it at 60, how can you tell me you can't do it, you know? Exactly. 
Um, and that leads me to my next question because uh, in in your bio information you sent me, uh, you said that you were on a fitness crusade to get America fit from age three to 103. So with that in mind, what is your best advice that you'd give to people on that higher end of that age spectrum for them to live an active and possibly even a competitive athletic lifestyle? Well, I have the thing that I say, if you train, put whatever number you want. If you train like a 50-year-old, you're going to look like a 50-year-old. But if you train like a ageless warrior, then you're going to look great. Why? Because that is the problem that I see, that people put limitations, and even doctors, for your age, for this. I remember many, many years ago, I even forgot why, why I went. I must have been late 40s, early 50s. I go to this um, acupuncture, and the lady looks at me and tells me that I shouldn't be doing weights. And, you know, first of all, I never went back to her because she's putting all this negative stuff. All I should do is breathing and exercise. I go, yeah, I do. By the way, I do do yoga. I do Tai Chi. But the yoga and the Tai Chi is for something different. I strongly believe in resistance training, whether it's kettlebells, um, weight training, um, you know, but with rest. The bottom line is, you know, don't set those barriers, those um oh, this is my age, and, and I know people that live like that. I have family members that live like that or live that way. Well, the whole point of this podcast is to change that line of thinking. Like, the whole entire right. point of what I'm doing is to change that line of thinking. Exactly. I want to touch on a couple points that you made because um, I love that you use the term ageless warrior because we it takes away the ability to define yourself by age at any age, even a younger age, where you right. could say, you know, a 20-something is supposed to be able to be, do this or a 50-something person or 60-something isn't supposed to be able to do this. But what you described with, um, like, advice for training about how you should strength train at all ages, regardless of age, but you should right. take rest days and recover. I think that's really interesting and really strong advice, not just for older athletes, but pe- for people of all ages, because I I talk to people who are younger who just push, 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 and they train themselves to push, push, push. And if they want to continue to do this type of stuff as an older athlete, but have that mindset that I should push, 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 that's when injuries happen. Also, injuries happen when you're younger. That's not completely limited to certain ages if you push and you don't allow your body to recover you're going to get injured regardless of age so i think that's excellent advice not just for seasoned athletes but for all people of all ages at all fitness levels that just create a smart training program that includes strength and resistance training and active recovery and rest so at age 57 you wrote the book anta's ageless warrior fitness can you talk a bit about what that book is about and who needs to read it yeah actually it could be for everybody because I even, there's stories in it. There's chapters on eating. There's chapters on training. But, and then I have like about five or six other people that are in their past 40 that wrote how they train also. But, and then I also write about Jack LaLanne, um, Elio Gracie, which died at 97. And also he was rolled, they call it rolling when you're doing jujitsu at 97 and June Reed, but in general, I talk about, you know, my beginning, being the skinny kid, last one picked, admiring muscles and martial arts when nobody, there were very few martial arts schools when I first started. I actually wanted to do karate, which, you know, but there wasn't any in the area, so I started with judo. So I I write about that, you know, I, I write a lot about, it's also a lot of philosophy and motivation. There's a whole chapter 
uh, negative people, staying away from that. I give stories of when I was around negative people and how I had to, you know, I still say hello, whatever, but get away from them because how they drag you down. It's like a complete book. You could say a little bit of a biography of my martial arts and and um, fitness. Um, I have one part that I put pictures in the metamorphosis. I put out pictures from when I was, um, 18, weighing 119 pounds, to the first picture I took in the beach posing, and down how I became a competitive bodybuilder, and then how my body changed, because I've gotten so many injuries in between. Every time I've gotten an injury, I took picture, I took, I, not all the time, but I took a picture, and then within a few months, getting back in shape, not the way I look now in bodybuilding shape, but getting in shape. So it shows the progress. Yeah, and, and and even the comebacks, like the short, you know, the setbacks and the comebacks. So before we go, um, do you have one parting piece of wisdom that you'd like to share with our listeners? Something that, that defines your message? Yes. You know, there's just so much. Um, you know, I have a saying, life is a battle, live it to win it. I believe that it's not smooth sailing. I wish it was life. We have our ups and downs. We just can't, and by the way, it doesn't mean that I'm always all, you know, motivational, pumped up like anybody. I've had times where I feel a little down or something happened, but I try not to. And the thing is, don't give up. Like, we have a lot of sayings in our school. Winners never quit. Quitters never win. You know, um, don't give up. I don't care how much you fail. Don't give up and don't limit. Don't limit your mind and never, you know, to feel that age on the contrary, you know, you also have the, the people that tell you, Oh, the best time of my life was high school. Then I have some of my bodybuilding friends. Oh man, the eighties were our best time, man. We were just carefree going to the beach, working out. We look great. Well, guess what man? to me every after high school, because high school, I was shy, you know, after high school, all the years have been great years, and I and I expect until I die, and I don't know if I'm going to live to be, I mean, 65, 70, 80, 90, or 100. I don't know. Anything could happen, but I want to live them setting goals and don't just live in the past until the day we die. There's a saying. I don't know who said it. You can be who you thought you could have been or something like that or wanted to be. We could always do it. Just believe and train. And by the way, sweat, train hard. Don't be lazy. I mean, I could dream all I want. Yeah. Nothing comes easily because life is a battle. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and finally, um, if someone wants to learn more about you, uh, how can they do that? Well, I have all types of things. I have different websites. I have one called Anta, A-N-T-A, martialarts.com. That's like most of my programs. And even my book is there, you you know, on the, on the store. Um Social media, I have my personal one, Julio Anta. Um, there's only two Julio Antas, myself and my son, and he's in his 20s, so you'll know which one we, I am. And I believe you you have a picture of yourself, like, bodybuilding, right? Pretty clear who you are. Yeah, right now the picture, I'm doing that last spread that I have up now. And then I am also on um, Instagram. It's under Anta Martial Arts on Instagram. And um, my YouTube channel, um, it's... Um, YouTube.com backslash Antafit, A-N-T-A-F-I-T. 
Um, so I'm in all those things, and then I, I even have um, Facebook pages. I have one that's Ansys Fitness and Self-Defense. These are open to anybody. They can go in their pages. Ansys Fitness and Self-Defense, which is mostly on my kids' programs, but I put everything there. And then where can people buy your book, Ansys Ageless Warrior Fitness? Well, I think it's in, um, um, actually, I forgot the name of the thing where everybody gets their books. What, how do you? How Amazon. Do you is it Amazon? <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> yes. Well, that's where everybody gets their books. Yes. Yeah. I, that's, you see how my memory is? I couldn't remember Amazon. I got but, you. Um, all, yeah. Also, in all my websites, there's, you can go to the store and you can get it there, too. Well, Julio, thank you so much for being on the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. I really love your story, your mission uh, not to prove that we are all ageless warriors. That I, you know, you say age is just a number, but I think you take the numbers out of it completely. We are all ageless warriors, and that uh, we should never give up. That we all experience setbacks, but those are just minor setbacks, and we can always come back from that and take on life. It is a battle, and we're in it to win it, right? Exactly. So thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your story with us Thank you for having me, Rob, and I really uh, enjoyed it and appreciate it. All right, seasoned athletes, before we go, here are my top three takeaways from Julio Anta. Number one, do not put limitations on yourself. For example, don't say you're fit for whatever age you are or believe that your age defines how you should even live. Train like an ageless warrior and remove limitations from your vocabulary and your life. Are you fit? Yes, you're fit. Not for a certain age, just fit. You are an ageless warrior. Number two, don't give up. Know that failure is inevitable and you will fail, possibly a lot. Don't let that stop you though. If there's something you want, never ever give up. Which leads us to number three, life is a battle. Live it to win it. You will face ups and downs in your life and you will be constantly tested. Keep pressing forward and know that battles are never easily won, but with perseverance and dedication, you can win the battle of life. Thanks again to Julio Anta. Thank you for listening to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. The music you heard on this episode is from bensound.com. This episode has been brought to you by Audible, where you can get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash seasonedathlete. Living in LA, I spend a lot of time on the road, and I don't have much time at home to get any reading in. So I love downloading books from Audible so I can listen on my commute or on the long drive to and from my weekend races. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player, including some that have been authored by previous season athlete guests like Catherine Switzer and Lee DiPietro. Definitely check those books out, by the way. They are awesome. To get your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial, go to audibletrial.com slash seasonedathlete or visit seasonedathlete.me and click on Audible Trial right there on the main menu. Be sure to follow us on social, Seasoned Athlete Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And hey, do you know of someone who would be a great guest on this show? Shoot us an email, seasonedathlete at gmail.com and tell us all about them. Or if it's you, tell us all about yourself. Now go out there and embrace your extraordinary, my fellow seasoned athletes, because you know what? You so can.